Today is Thursday, October 20th. The title for our devotional is Jesus Family. This week we're exploring further the idea of belonging together as a part of the abundant life found only in the way of Jesus. In Matthew 12, Jesus makes one of his more startling statements. Matthew 12, we're beginning in verse 46. While Jesus was still talking to the crowd, his mother and brothers stood outside, wanting to speak to him. Someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. He replied to him, who is my mother and who are my brothers? Pointing to his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. As I said, a little bit startling, right? Today, let's just look at the meaning of this passage, and then tomorrow we will apply it. A couple of brief historical notes here on this passage. First, it's likely that at this point Joseph has died. Since he isn't mentioned beyond the birth narrative of Jesus at all in the Gospels, it is widely thought that Joseph passed away at some point prior to Jesus' ministry beginning. This would have been a likely place for him to appear, as well since the rest of his family is mentioned, but no Joseph. Also, texts like this make the Catholic theology of Mary's perpetual virginity untenable. The thinking is that for Mary to be the mother of God, she must be perfectly holy and ever virgin. This is more rooted in a Greek dualism, the belief that the physical is intrinsically evil and the spiritual holy, than in biblical evidence. Those who hold this view would interpret the word for brothers here as cousins or close relatives, which isn't impossible, but not the most natural reading of the context. It would be strange for Mary to be traveling with Jesus' cousins. Or the other option is that Jesus' brothers and sisters were from a previous marriage of Joseph. All in all, it seems unnecessary to make the text try to fit into that theology of Mary's perpetual virginity. It's much better to simply read the plain meaning of the text. Mary and Joseph likely had other children after Jesus. This section of Matthew is largely themed towards the opposition Jesus faced in his life and ministry, mostly at the hands of the Pharisees. But even here, there is likely a slight connotation to even his family being a hindrance to him doing the will of God. In Mark 3, his family comes to get him because he is, quote, out of his mind, they think. In John 7, we see that his brothers did not yet believe in him. In this passage, Matthew is sure to emphasize that his family is, quote, outside. At minimum, they were not sitting at the feet of Jesus listening to his teaching as his disciples were. At the most, this could be a visual of their lack of faith in him at this point. We don't have much of the details here, but it's likely that their motives were even pure. Jesus had been causing a lot of controversy with the Pharisees. His family may have been concerned for his well-being, and so they sought to bring him home and perhaps lay low for a while, letting the moment pass and everybody's tempers cool. Jesus, however, knows that he must do the will of God, regardless of the consequences. His family likely didn't have that perspective yet and wanted to keep him safe. But Jesus knows that this is not the will of God for him. And the will of God always supersedes what else he has going on and even his own safety. So he persists in doing the will of God. Finally here, Jesus isn't saying that we should neglect our family or disown them. That would contradict his teaching in other places, including Matthew 15, 1 through 9, 19, 9, as well as John 19, 27, where Jesus, while hanging on the cross, is sure to care for Mary. Instead of diminishing his family relationships, he is elevating his relationship to those who do the will of God. As we've seen by saying this all week, 
he's calling us to view our fellow, or fo- fellow followers of Jesus in the familial sense. As he does elsewhere, he is calling his followers to greater allegiance to the kingdom of God than even to their family. He even goes so far as to say in Luke 14, 26, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. For disciples, what Jesus is saying there in Luke 14 and here in this passage as well, allegiance to Jesus must supersede all other allegiances, even our sacred duty to our families. For many of his disciples, this would literally mean going against the wishes of their family to follow Jesus, which in their culture and in their day was a much bigger deal than it is in our culture, where it was a part of the law to obey your mother and father. Parents, mothers, brothers, and sisters steeped in Judaism, they would have disapproved of their decision to follow Jesus. So they must choose whether to remain faithful to Jesus or abandon Jesus and return to the faith of their families. For reflection time today, let's use our imaginations a little bit. Imagine yourself as a part of this story. First, as a member of Jesus' family, how would you have heard his words? Would Jesus' startling words be a cause to reflect on your perception of the will of God and how it may conflict with your ideas of safety and security? Or would you respond with anger at the insults and push Jesus even further away? How we would respond in that moment says something about who we are. Next, imagine yourself as a disciple of Jesus listening to his teaching. He has just elevated you to the status of a brother or sister in his perspective. How would that make you feel? What thoughts would be running through your head about your devotion to Jesus and about his compassion and concern for you?